Hi, my name is Tracy G and I'm an inner work coach, NLP trainer and podcaster extraordinaire. Passionate about equality and a world that is more diverse and inclusive, giving each and every one of us the opportunity to be the best version of ourselves. As a biracial woman, I've experienced my fair share of discrimination in the past and come out on top. We all know that discrimination and bias still exists in the world today, and it's not always easy to know what to do about it. This podcast, All One Inclusive, is about celebrating all diversity and being proud of all that you are. I chat with inspiring guests and my friends as we share stories from news sources and listeners from all over the world who have experienced some form of discrimination firsthand. The aim is for us to be able to discuss this issue more openly so it becomes better understood by all and provide tips about what you can do to make a difference. The world may have a lot of catching up to do, but if we can imagine a more equal world, we can create change step by step, ripple by ripple. Hello! Happy Hump Day! Merry, it's Merry, it's in the Christmas vibe. I've still got my jumper on, even though you can't see it. Yes. Oh, yes. Almost Christmas, which is exciting. Almost Christmas, like literally happening. In fact, actually, this episode, oh yeah, this episode will go out before Christmas. No, this episode will go out after Christmas. So, Merry Christmas, everybody. Hope you had a good day. Merry Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gee. Uh, Well, we're probably going to talk about what are we doing? Are you ready? Or you don't need to be ready because you don't celebrate Christmas. Not really, although I turn up for the food. So, <laughs> mm. <laughs> but yes, there is less pressure on me. It's and nice. we'll be celebrating. You're, do- you're doing prawns and oysters. Yeah. And oysters, yes, exactly. I don't know. I really can't be bothered to make the ginger cake this year, but we'll see. <laughs> do you know what? I haven't done my baking. So, yes. so every year I bake. Yes, it's, it's and Rocky Road. It's like the tradition. Yes, and I ha- I normally start the week at least a week before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and I haven't even. It's not. It's not even. Mm. Yeah, we're not got there yet, but we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. You definitely are shooting for the biscuits and Rocky Road and everything. Gosh. Yeah. Oh yes. Well, that's a challenge. It just doesn't feel like Christmas if I don't if I'm not doing that. Yeah, true. Did you put your tree up? No, I haven't even done that yet. This is saying I've got so much to do still. <laughs> I will. That's... It will happen. Okay. Magically, yes. Yes, it's going to happen. <gasps> so how have you been? Yeah, not too bad. I'm looking forward to not working. Hopefully I'm trying to like take some leave earlier this week. So we'll see how that works out. Um, I'm I'm really excited about not working. Um, Are you taking some time off? Time off? Yes, hopefully two and a bit weeks because yeah, it's been a long year, a long mm-hmm. year leave. I don't think I've taken this year because when I was supposed to go to Port Macquarie, I got COVID. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. So that, that week magically, the only week I had, you know, taken um, as as holiday. So. What about you? You've been good? You've been so busy. I have been. I have been reasonably busy with work, 
tying up a few things, catching up with people because everybody wants to catch up at Christmas. Indeed. They? Indeed. Mm. And last night I caught up with Mel and Kathy and Bavna. Oh, lovely. Yes. Yeah, so we had, um, it was quite funny because we had, um, we had a brunch, a Christmas brunch. Yeah. Um, but the weather's been terrible for Christmas, for summer. Yes, it's, the sky's been ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's yeah. raining, it's cold, it feels like winter. <laughs> it does. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm sure for, for English people it wouldn't feel like winter, but for Australians this is winter. Like, All right, it feels like autumn for, for a British person, but still. Oh, I mean, in the UK it's snowing and it's minus seven. Yes, okay. Yeah. <laughs> But not quite the same. Not quite the same. But even it's been like 20 degrees the last couple of days. And I'm like, I am freezing my ass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it's the rain as well. Gloomy. Yes. So it's not It's not typical for this time of year. It's quite unusual, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You can't go to the beach, which is bizarre to me. Mm. Yes, you're mm. not burning in the heat. It's not 45 degrees, which is what we're used to. Exactly. So, so we'll wonder what Christmas... We Christmas Day will bring. I mean, typically it's not that nice on Christmas Day anyway. It's like a weird, I think maybe yeah. one year it's been nice and all the time I've lived here. Yeah, when... usually it's super hot. Like yeah. really hot. Like, yeah, but, or I rainy, think... but like rainy, kind of tropical rainy. Tropical rainy, yeah. yeah. But I don't know, it might be cold this year. Maybe. No pool maybe. time. Well, no pool time. I'm, I'm sure the kids wouldn't care, but yes. Mm. Mm, I know, but this is this is going to be our final guest speaker of the year. We've got a new guest to chat to today. This is exciting. Definitely. Who have we got on? Well, we have a like a friend, a mentor, Andrew Law. So we met. Basically, I was looking for a mentor. So I've been coaching now for a few years. And I know every, if you want to improve, this is, this is what I've been learning. If you want to be better, you need a mentor who's hmm. further along the journey than you. Right. And I remember, I remember hearing that time and time again. I'm like, right, I'm going to find myself a mentor. Literally just put it out there. as like, I need to find myself a mentor. And then I thought about what I wanted in a mentor. And I was like, I want a mentor who is trained in the same coaching tools that I'm trained in. But has been doing it for longer, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I want a mentor that knows how to set up a business because they've already established their own. Yeah. You know, to be successful, thriving, and that be a hundred percent of their time. Mm -hmm. So these I was like, right, I need to find a mentor with these attributes. And obviously somebody who's caring and empathetic and all of these things. So I felt right. I literally put it out there and then I'm looking on Facebook and I see an ad mm -hmm. um, for a business coach who is looking for coaches who wants to become part of his training program or a business business coaching program. And he'll, he will help you with your marketing, um, with your website, all that kind of stuff. I was like, oh, yeah. So I looked, looked up. And I didn't know who he was. And I started, but I realized as part of this community that I was part of, a big coaching community. So I started asking people, oh, do you know this guy? Do you know who he is? 
What's he like? Hmm. And um, people said, yeah, we, we know Andrew. He's great. I didn't know he was doing this, helping other coaches. Yeah, it'd be great. He'd be a great mentor. So I signed up with him. Hmm. And it's been the best. It was one of the best decisions I ever made. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. He's really, he's really helped me grow as a coach and he's really helped me with my business because that's the thing, you know, you've got to be everything in your business when you start, unless you've got heaps of investment to pay other people, then you have to be your own salesman, your own marketer, your own events organizer, your own social media, (laughs) your own own podcast editor. Um, you have to um you have to be all of those you have to wear all of these hats yeah you can't just be a coach mm. and do that so yes. yeah it's good and i mean it's good to learn how to do all these things so he's taught me a lot he's introduced me to lots of tools to help me make my life easier but he's also become a really good friend mm. as well um i just think he's just such a beautiful beautiful human being like one of the nicest people I've ever met. Uh, very kind, very compassionate, um, understanding, and has a genuine desire to help people, help coaches, because he wants to see, like I do, as many coaches out there helping people. Um, because, you know, a lot of people do need help. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So he'll be joining us very soon. I'm just going to see, I will actually message him and see how he's going because we expect him to join us any minute. You have a bio for him though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'll wait till he joins. Mm. Fair enough. You didn't get an office Chris Kringle this year. You don't have an office. No, but we do our Chris Kringle. Oh, it's not the same, is it? Silly Santa. Have you got your Silly Santa? I haven't got the Silly Santa, and I haven't got my Chris Kringle present yet. I'm still sort of trying to figure out what to get, which is terrible. But mm, Mm. some people are harder to buy for. <laughs> so I'll just explain. So we, so Christmas mm-hmm. is a catch up between myself and other orphans. Call ourselves orphans, but that kind of sounds terrible when I think about yes. what orphans really is. Yeah, but it's, it would be typically what you call people that are expats mm-hmm. and um, their family are not here with their families. Mm-hmm. So we've spent every Christmas together and created our own Aussie family here in Australia. Yes. And now we have, what, how many, let's see, let's go over the numbers, two, four, seven adults, Mm -hmm. four children. Yes. And two dogs. Yes. (laughs) We are now seven adults, four children and two dogs. And we spend every Christmas together and we all bring something. Yes. Yeah. We all bring something to contribute towards the day. And we do Chris Kringle. And we do, we all, we all, we do like a numbers thing where we, everybody buys, gets a present, but it's a secret. Like, we don't know who it's from. So you get like a really lovely, from, it's from Santa, clearly. 
So you get a present from Santa, but also um, we do a silly Santa. Yes. So like a a low budget item, yeah. silly. And we do the, the game where we kind of steal. Yes. Can steal, can steal exactly. silly Santas as well. And there's always, there's always one item that's sought after, highly sought after. Yeah. It's quite funny. So everybody wants it. Yeah. And then you get, and then somebody gets it and they're like, yes. And then somebody steals it from them. Yeah. <laughs> um, when, when the parents are around, so we had, I think, Annalise's parents not too long ago. I think he won something that I really wanted. And Annalise is like, don't steal it. And I was like, <laughs> I was did like, you steal like, it? I didn't because I was like, okay, you might hate me forever. (laughs) You know, I want to go to South Africa, so maybe not. But I was very tempted to. I'll take this opportunity to apologize to Pip all those years ago when I stole that donut maker. Oh, Pip at work. I was like, who? 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 Okay. (laughs) She really wanted that donut maker. And I took it from her because, you know, she really wanted it. So it seemed like that. Oh, that's hilarious. I feel bad about that now, Pip. So if we ever get around to doing another Christmas together, mm-hmm. and there's another donut maker. Hell, if we do another Christmas together, I'll buy a donut maker and I'll put it in the thing. Um, Aw, you sweet. I wasn't then when I stole it from her, but yes. I am so excited <laughs> because... I'm going to use Andrew Law, or Low, if I spelled it correctly. So Andrew, after his 21st birthday, moved to Australia from Malaysia to complete his university study as an international student. So he was 21 when he moved in. And his plan was to complete his IT degree, move back home, start a career, and even have a family. But one thing led to another. He discovered parts of himself, his identity, his sexuality, that he had struggled to come to terms with for so long. And he began making every effort to stay permanently in Australia as he felt that his country would, wouldn't, this country, Australia, would give him the opportunities and the freedom to live his best and most authentic life. And he started lecturing at the University of Southern Queensland in Australia. And he was working as a freelance consultant um, with Fujitsu International, running workshops across across whole of Asia and he fell into a dark place whilst doing that work that led to a, a serious accident and he, and he maybe talk about that and he decided that things had to change it was a turning point in his life and he worked on himself physically mentally and emotionally and spiritually and he built a thriving transformation coaching practice specializing in helping career-focused professionals to heal past trauma, let go of their past so they can live a life both of success and happiness. And he has the privilege of training and mentoring aspiring transformation coaches like me to build our own successful and joyful businesses. And without further ado, I will introduce Andrew, who's joining us just now. Hello! Hello. Welcome. Hi. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Minal. How are you? 
Hi. We're wonderful. Thank you for getting up early on the Sunday morning to join us. Oh, I've been up for a couple of hours, so all good. And I'm really excited to join you guys. It's like what I'm looking, it's something I look forward to uh, chatting with, you know, like-minded people and doing something like this on a Sunday morning. It sets up my day. Right. Oh, we, we really love to hear that because when we get people on, they're like, is it too early on a Sunday for people? But no, everybody I'm seems to be fine. a couple of hours. That's amazing. I know. Sorry? No, I'm saying you've been up for a couple of hours already on purpose. Um, I think just uh, uh, my natural uh, biological clock. Yeah, and um, I've got a dog, and you know he needs to go out for a walk. So we went out for a walk this morning. Uh, fresh, uh, you know, farmers markets this morning where I live. So we took a walk there, and I'm um, catching up with another friend for breakfast in about two hours. So you know, nice. it's gonna be an awesome day. It is. Is it nice there? Because it's absolutely bucketing with rain in Sydney today. Uh, it is crisp and the sun is out and it's actually really beautiful today here in Brisbane. Oh, of course oh. it is. Of course it is. Of course it is. Where are you based, Minal? Um, I'm in Sydney, in Borkham Hills in Sydney. Right, so you're in Sydney as well. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So our weather hasn't been very good for us. Certainly no beach weather days, really. I mean, no. we've had a couple of days that have been 29, very welcomed, but... Yeah, still, still quite chilly. So. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, curiosity. Um, how do you guys know each other? Talked <laughs> uh, about that, haven't we? Well, you, you, you go on. Exactly. The questions for you, Mina. Well, actually, I remember the day. Well, we know each other from work. We both used to work for the same company, and I remember the day Tracy started, and she was being introduced and whatnot to the to the rest of the team. And I remember thinking to myself, oh. I don't know why I thought this, honestly, but I was like, she looks like a bitch, but no, I did not. She looks like a what, sorry? No, <laughs> no, I thought she looked very too cool to be friends. Oh, too cool for school. Basically, <laughs> basically, and a little intimidating, so I was like, yeah, that's oh. going to happen. So I don't actually, I remember. I know, right? Just a little when you see her. It's just that little. So yeah, I thought to myself, well, you know, she seems nice enough, but we're never going to be friends. <laughs> but it turned oh, out wow. very good friends. So I don't know how. Actually, remember the first day, but I don't remember how we first met or like interacting and how it, you know. But anyway, that's how we know each other. I was sat near. I was placed to sit near you. That's right. Yes. Mm so at the end of the desk so maybe that was it and we used to do we used to do a lot more going out and when we first you know we were young and spirited so we're still young and spirited we'll always be young and spirited it's like well i'm not old and crinkled no well to be honest you guys are talking to me at 8 30 in the morning so i feel old right now maybe later on when i know i i don't get that intimidate i've had i've heard that before so without me even speaking to anyone yes, how is how am i intimidating I think it's maybe how you hold yourself or something. It's yeah, not. I think it's you have a lot of confidence yeah. and stuff, which is great. Mm. But yes, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't. I, like my, of course, everyone's perception is unique. 
Um, my perception isn't intimidating, just that it's how you hold yourself, you're articulate, you're beautiful, you know, and um, you know, you know what you're talking about, and yeah, so, you know, not everyone has that level of confidence. We all aspire to. (laughs) Because it's not the first time I've heard that as a first impression, so I'm curious about what that means. Interesting. Mm. How we met. That's how we met. I, I've already do, I've already introduced you to the audience, and and I wanted to ask first because Mingle's going to ask you some questions. How did you find the questions that we sent? Yeah, the, the questions were great. Yeah, there's probably more than enough questions for the time that we've got, but you know we just go with the flow. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. and before we do that, I might actually just change my profile and my pronouns. Oh yes, that's great. Yeah, I might do that. And I, I, I used to do ask, um, what pronouns do you use? Oh, okay. Oh, do you ask during the... Um... Well, I'm oh. asking you now. Yeah. Uh, he and him. He and him. Yeah, he and him. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. So, um, just, so this part is still recorded, but then you edit out that, the actual intro. Is that how it works? I don't edit out the intro. No, it just all of it's in. So all of it's in, including what we've just talked about. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. I absolutely love that. The it's whole... a conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the candid nature of it. I love that. Awesome, awesome. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, no, I really, I really love the questions. I think uh, they're, they're thought-provoking. And it got me to think about uh, my past, my history, uh, the day I landed in Australia, my experience in a country town, Toowoomba. Um, for I think about 12 years before I moved to the Facebook of Brisbane, whatever that means. <laughs> I had no idea. How? For 12 years? That's amazing. What was that like? That must have been so strange. Well, I don't know why. I brought up in Asia and in Kuala Lumpur, in Malaysia, where the definition of a city is more than a million people. Mm-hmm. Um, before I flew over to Australia, they did this pre-flight talk, and there were the officials from the uh, from the uni- university administration who turned up to give us this little, like sort of a, a you know acclimatization you know pre-flight talk, and they told us the city of Toowoomba. So in my mind, I was thinking skyscrapers, <laughs> more than a million people, and uh, hustle and bustle of city life. Uh, but we landed at the airport uh, quite late that day. I think it was past midnight. There was some delays with the flights. And uh, we got on the Greyhound bus. No, actually, I think it was McCafferty's uh, mm-hmm. bus service at the time up to uh, Toowoomba. And on the way up the range, so Toowoomba is located you know, up on the range. And we were like, you know, we were the, one of the first batch of Asian students. We were like, really? You know, where are they taking us? And then we arrived early morning in Toowoomba and there was a horse on the road. <laughs> and we were like, oh my gosh. Did he? So that was a bit of a culture shock in and of itself. Eventually though, you know, we realized what the definition of a city was. And uh, and it was actually a really good experience uh, coming from the hustle and bustle of city life to a place where there was more calm and peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, well, as a student, it really gave me a chance to focus on my studies and mingle with the locals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, because uh, the, the university in Toowoomba, uh, USQ, uh, they have very strong ties with local community. Yeah. And so lots of social events that involve the locals and, and we got to know, like, you know, there were families there that part of, I became part of their families during times like Christmas, for instance. Yeah. Yeah, I have a place to go to. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. I was just wondering. I have no idea. So this is really interesting for me. I have no idea that, that that's... I mean, I, the, the plan was to go to Toowoomba, study, get my degree, and then head back home and start a family, whatever that means, right? Start a family as a gay guy. Mm -hmm. I was not out to his parents at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, but of course, one thing led to another. I, um, I, I actually did really well at uni compared to when, uh, school in Malaysia. I think because, you know, over here, uh, there was a lot of um, encouragement to do critical thinking, whereas in Malaysia, the education was more about local learning. So oh, I love studying here in Australia. Uh, so I did well at uni and um, uh, continued on to do my master's. And that gave me opportunities to do tutoring. And then I applied to be a lecturer. So that's why the 12 years in Toowoomba, I started my first career basically in Australia. Mm -hmm. So what was it like in Toowoomba? Because we were on our first batch of students, uh, of international students, I don't think the locals knew what to expect. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't either. We didn't either. I, I have to say, well, first of all, um, uh, yeah, I, I spoke English well before I came over. I've always had a passion for the English language. I watch a lot of American TV and English TV. Uh, but it wasn't a language, it was the accent and the slang. Mm. So I remember I was lost in the campus in like the first week of uni. And this you know, lecturer walked out of his office. You know, and I still remember him, this tall six foot this guy who is a footballer, yeah, and um, and he asked me, "Are you are you right?" Huh? <laughs> you guys get it right? Yeah. <laughs> are you right? And I was like, in my mind, I was like, "Are you asking me if I'm right-handed or left-handed? <laughs> asking me if I'm correct or wrong?" <laughs> so you know, it took me a while to you know get into the headspace that it was just asking if I was okay, if I was all right, if I needed help. So that was that was one of my first experiences. Another one was this well-meaning uh young girl, you know, in her early twenties, obviously, you know, her first first week of YouTube and she came over and you know she was really friendly and in the middle of a conversation you know, this is the first time I'm seeing a real life Asian. <laughs> Oh so, you know, well-meaning, well-intentioned, yeah. uh, no, no malice at all. Um, but you know, I guess there is this spectrum between you know um, malignant racism and just blissful ignorance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that totally is. We talk about it all the time. Do you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, it, it was great. It was great. And then when I started lecturing, uh, I became part of the staff. Mm. And um, and uh, I could then access also, you know, I, I, there was a lecturer who did guitar lessons for the community for free. And then I joined that as well. 
there were international festivals, food festivals that was part of that. And every year in Toowoomba, there are multicultural, sort of like a talent time. A what, sorry? Yeah, like a talent time, a showcase of different cultures and their talents. Oh, a talent time. Talent time, yeah. Ah. People from all over the world who were there would audition to be part of this talent day. And because I sing as well, so I had opportunities to perform. And in, in one of my final years, they also asked me to co-MC the event with another um, uh, uh, another um, with a colleague from uh, PNG, I think she was. And uh, and so I got really involved in the local event. Wow, that sounds really inclusive community, right? Yeah. No, yes, of course. You only got one end of the spectrum, which is the university bubble. That is very mm. inclusive, yeah. and uh, and of course you've got the town's folk who took a while to adjust to the locals, uh, mm. walking in their stores. Yeah. Oh my God! This is the first time I've seen a real life Asian. Yes. <laughs> you know, I I felt really um, awkward initially the first few months in 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 Tupa, walking into stores. Um, well, I mean, first of all, it was a culture shock of stores opening at like 10 in the morning and closing shop at 3 in the afternoon. Yes. So that was, <laughs> that was a shock in and of itself. You know, so we're like, oh, uh, you know, com- comparatively to in Kuala Lumpur, where store, there's, you know, shops are open 24 hours mm-hmm. and especially food stores. So that was a shock to the system. Uh, but I do remember walking into uh, most shops at the time and they would look at me with this sure really i'm sure and i don't think again i don't think it came from a place of malice it was just uncertainty and insecurity Mm. you know um not knowing and i I guess they would have experiences where they try to speak to asian students and then they'd have trouble with english and they'd have trouble communicating so I discovered after a couple of months that all I have to do is to walk in the store, walk up to them and actually say hello and strike up a conversation first. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I feel we don't really, we shouldn't have to. Mm. And yet we have a choice at the time, you know, do we put up with the awkwardness or do we take responsibility to step up first? Yeah. 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 And, and and I think that's really important. You know, if, if we do that and they're still treating, you know, people from a different country, you know, with some uh, awkwardness, then it's their shit. Yeah. yeah. Then it's their shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we, I think, you know, in the beginning, especially as a guest of a country, I think there is a responsibility. You know, when I was traveling in France, for instance, we walk into a store and try to say hello in French to start off with, rather than assume that everyone speaks English. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I always do that. Bonjour, bonjour. I met a few French people. Bonjour, and then learned that, you know, parlez-vous anglais, <laughs> you know? <laughs> because that's all I know. <laughs> At least you're, you're trying. I, I took French in school, and I still don't know anything more than oh, bonjour, really. I, I, French. Yes. It's not really, yeah, yeah. My, my passion has always been, uh, Latin-based languages and always been Italian. I love Italian. It is a very sexy language, that. Yes. Um, I might start off with the first questions. So when did you know you were gay and how did you tell people? 
oh my gosh, this is the first time I'm revealing this story to the interweb. <laughs> I mean, my friends know. I was about, I think, you know, seriously about, and this harks back to the root premise that people have, you know, people say, is it nature or nurture? Nature or nurture. Yeah, is it nurture or nature, you know, in terms of sexuality? And, you know, I say it's both, and I actually believe it's more nature, because I was about five or six at the time, and I was watching the Grammy Awards on TV in Malaysia. Yeah. Um, Banana Rama was singing Love in the First Degree. <laughs> I'm, showing, I'm showing my age here. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. In the first degree, and they had these really, really attractive male dancers. And as a kid, I was more interested in the movements of the dancers than in the singing from Banana Rama. <laughs> and, and that's when I actually thought, I think I had that cognitive dissonance. Mm. Dissonance that, oh, you know, is there something wrong with me? Oh. Yeah, so that was. And growing up in a culture where it was drilled into us, even at a young age, that, you know, boys are not feminine, girls are not masculine. Mm. Um, you know, those people over there, you know, are, are, are sinful or they're doing the wrong things, do not mingle with them. So the first question that came in my mind as a kid was, is there something wrong with me? Oh, yeah. Mm. That must have been a terrible way to feel. Um, when did it turn for you like thinking that it was wrong to thinking maybe perhaps this isn't wrong and this is who I am I think growing up in a culture where the indoctrination was so strong and you believe the truths of society mm. so um, you know looking back I'm, I can feel it in my body now I grew up you know in my childhood in my teen years and it wasn't until I moved to Australia at the age of 21 that I gathered enough courage to explore the question, to uncover the possibility that there was nothing wrong with me. That makes sense. You know, like, like to even to even be open to exploring the possibility that there's nothing wrong with me, that I don't need. Because uh, I, I remember growing up as a teenager, you know, I'd wake up in the morning and, you know, you hear news of people getting attacked and all that. And I look in the mirror and I just go, if only I was different, you know, is there something and I have to continue to hide myself because it wasn't safe. It wasn't physically safe, let alone emotionally, mentally and spiritually. Um, yeah, and, and survival is, you know, a basic human need. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I I do remember though when I when I knew for sure when my dad won the lottery and this is crazy, this is another crazy story. My dad actually won the lottery. We came from a really poor family and he actually won the lottery and he had the good sense to ask me, Do you want to study overseas? And uh, and I, yeah, and I said sure. And that was the time when I went, Oh, maybe you know, in this country or in this Western country. Where they are more progressive, I could actually find myself. Oh, we just lost you there. Your sound went. Oh, when, when, which part? Maybe. Oh, okay, yeah. In this progressive oh, country, and then. Yeah, me, maybe in this in this other country that I'm about to go to. You know, it was a choice between Australia, the UK, and 
Canada at the time. Mm. This more progressive Western country, you know, uh, you know, with all, with all love and respect, you know, where the whites are, you know, where they are more involved, you know, that whole idea, <laughs> you yeah. know, involved. Uh, maybe I could be accepted there. Mm. And that was the time I think you know where I I I thought you know great I can maybe find some answers. Right. And so, did you have you told people now? Have you told family? And how was that? What was that like? Yeah. Uh, when I told my mom, it wasn't easy for her at all. Yeah. yeah. You know, a lot of um, guilt and shame from her part. You know, uh, you know, my my dad had always you know had this thing about you know don't hide behind your mom all the time. You know, and uh, and 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 music's for girls. I love music, and music is for you know. I, I when I when I was um, uh, when <clears throat> when my mom took me to my first piano lesson, she really she actually swore me to secrecy to not tell anyone. Because we lived in a village, and and if anyone in a village knew that I was taking piano lessons, my dad would find out, and he would stop piano lessons because he knew the You know, so it was really really interesting at the time. Something that this this little boy was passionate about that he loved music and he denied it, judged him or took that away from him. Yeah, so it was really interesting at the time. Um, yeah, when I told my mom, no, it wasn't uh, it wasn't good at all. You know, she um. She cried a lot to blame herself. And, um, and, you know, I told her when she visited me in Australia. And, and she still come over and visit me every year. But I think there was this always this dread in her um, that I'm not what she wanted me to be. I'm not what, sorry, I couldn't hear I'm you. I'm not what she wanted me to be. Ah, okay. Yeah, I'm not what she wanted me to be. And, uh, and for a few years before she had friends, at the time in Brisbane and other places in Australia as well. And she tried to send me out uh, to the girls. Um, yeah. The girls, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and every time I would have a conversation with her or confront her with it and tell her, no, I'd set a boundary to cry. Mm. Yeah. Um, and uh, for a while, I would not speak to her about it at all. Wow. <clears throat> well. And Tracy knows about it. As you know, as a life coach, we talk about holding space for other people to go through their emotions. Yeah, because really, in reality, it took me 28 years to accept myself. And I was expecting her to accept me in 2.8 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So um, so one year she came over and she, you know, she brought the, brought up the subject again and then you no, know, I I told her again. You no, know, it's not a fade, and she, she cried. And this time, I just sat down with her, mm. and she cried. Yeah. And then she emptied out, you know, all her stuff. Mm. And then at the end of it all, I just you know asked her, you know, is there anything you want to ask me? Anything else you want to know? And she said no. I'm okay now. And okay. since then, <laughs> we've had the best of relationships. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah, I think, you know, I think she just had to, she just had to go through that grieving process. Yeah. Grieving what was not to be. Mm. Yeah, and accept what was to become. Mm. Absolutely. What a journey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my, my dad, to be honest, my dad, I've never really had that one-on-one -on -one conversation with him. Mm. Uh, 
mom's probably spoken to him and and that's been stuck around and he's probably in a, uh, you know a stage of semi-denial and well I'm okay with that. okay well I'm glad you've made the peace yeah <laughs> absolutely absolutely oh my my brother was super easy yeah, yeah. I just told him and then he said, and this was so beautiful, and he said, that, well, you know, when you find a partner, you know, it's like, I've got another brother. Oh. Yeah, he said that, and I was so touched by that. Yeah. yeah, that's lovely. How old is you? I didn't know you had a brother even, older or younger. <laughs> um, he's five years younger. Oh. And does he live in Malaysia or somewhere yeah, else? Malaysia. Mm. Yeah, he's in Malaysia. All my family's in Malaysia. Except for my Aussie adopted families. Yeah. <laughs> so your next question, what's the story uh, um, behind you becoming an elite coach and a coaching trainer? Tracy knows this story. You know, a lot of times with a childhood of needing to prove myself to be, you know, you know as growing up, you know, being you know, gay and you know, I was a short guy and a lot of really baggage around who I am. You know, I was on this quest to prove myself. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that if people accepted me, then I will be happy. <laughs> so the, uh, the, the, the problem with that, of course, is we take that with us wherever we go. We haven't healed the woundings of the past. So when I started working in Australia, I was a lecturer at the University of Queensland. And then I was also a trainer with the International. Yeah, traveling all over the world. So I was a hard worker, whatever that means, right? A hard worker pushing myself to elevate my status, if you like, to be accepted. You know, and mm. I say that now and I feel like, oh gosh, you know, workaholic basically. And Tracy knows this, you know, wearing workaholism like a, like a badge of honor. And I remember uh, I was also at that time working as a program manager with the state government in Queensland, and there was a transition of government. And they told us that if we didn't get this project over the line, uh, I could lose my job, and not just me, but the people in my team. Yeah. Lose their jobs. So I was working 16 plus hours at the time, working nights, working weekends, while doing all these other things, you know, like concerts, music, and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and other jobs here and there. And one night I was driving home just after midnight. Uh, I was, wasn't feeling good about my life because at that, my partner at the time had also left me mm. uh, because I wasn't around. <laughs> I mean, looking back, I wasn't around. And when I was around, I was not a, a nice person to be with. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I was going through all that turmoil in my life. I was super exhausted, driving home just after midnight. Uh, two minutes from arriving home, I nodded off and uh, crashed my car <laughs> and um and with the air back in my face that was my literal wake-up call <laughs> you know like woken up and then i saw the paramedic's face and he, he looked at me he looked at the my my wreck the wreckage and he said you're lucky to be alive and i will remember those words for the rest of my life <laughs> because i knew then at that moment that uh, things weren't working and something had to change. But I didn't know what, I didn't know how. Mm. And that started my journey of really uh, working within. So I, I I was medicating for a few years on Zoloft for a few years to try to manage my depression. I saw 
I saw a psychologist and they all helped to a certain degree. Uh, yeah. While I felt like I was just rehashing my story again and again with narrative, like with narrative therapy, you know, you go and you tell your story again and again and again. And there were times when I just went, oh, I've got a, an appointment with my psychologist like tomorrow. What am I going to tell her? <laughs> you know, what story do I have to tell her now to get through the session? So I knew it was working, but there was something more. Mm. And that was when someone introduced me to a life coach. And um, and uh, she had a really beautiful way of helping me see the world through a different lens and putting myself through a different lens. Mm. Uh, and a way that guided me to come up with my own conclusion mm. to adjust my own thinking and question myself rather than telling me how I should be in the world. Yeah. And she asked the most powerful questions. And the beautiful thing with her too is that has also a background. She's also a medium. Like She's a, also me. A, a medium. A medium. Oh. A spiritual medium. Like she said, from a young age, she could like speak and commune with spirits. Now, wow. I don't know whether I believe in that. At the time, I didn't know whether I believed in that or not. But I do know that she had insights and intuition that was beyond anyone else I ever knew. Yeah. You know, that wasn't going to, I wasn't going to cast any judgments on that part of her life. No. Yeah. Um, but I, I did feel that that actually helped her see things in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And I was so, um, basically, you know, with all love and respect to all your audience, I was mind effed. Uh -huh, you can say it. We, yeah. we already put a disclaimer. Yeah. Okay? But literally, it was a mind fuck. All yeah. the beliefs and truths that I held on for so long mm. yeah, in my life about proving myself to the world, mm. about not accepting who I am, about thinking that I'm broken, like all of that is crushed to pieces because of her. Wow. And then I went, Oh wow, what's this magic? <laughs> what is this like crazy magic that she is crazy white magic <laughs> that she's casting? What is this light that is shining from her? And that's when I went, I need to take a peek behind the curtains. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I enrolled in coaching school. And I started learning from all these different mentors and especially mentors that have a foundation in both coaching, neuroscience, plus infant wisdom or spirituality. Spirituality and yeah, wisdom, and yeah. That's the basis of my coaching practice. Mm. Combination of neuroscience, uh, ancient wisdom, and, uh, and spirituality. Mm. So that's, that's my journey. That's how, you know, I went... Shit, in the aftermath of the accident, I realized when I looked at my broken leg, I've got a broken relationship with the world. I've got a broken relationship with myself. Yeah, and how do I mend that? Wow, that's such a powerful story. But, you know, uh, it's quite amazing. <laughs> and and, uh, and uh, courageous. Uh, emotions came up then. I know, I know. <laughs> and courageous because... 
to make i'm not i don't know i will i always wonder i wonder this as a coach is the secret pain for change is that what it takes for us to make the decision to finally change mm. our lives and for yeah. me it was a different for me it was a different story but everybody has a story um about where where they get to where they're right this i can't do this anymore something has to change mm. yeah exactly. i think pain our relationship with pain has to change mm. because you know, when we fall down and then we hurt ourselves that's pain yeah, yeah. and we think of it as pain when really it's just a message from the body letting us know that something needs to heal yeah yeah that's just it you know that that's just a message You've fallen down, it hurts, and something needs to heal. Mm. Yeah, the thing with physical pain is that, uh, especially in you know, I, I guess in the eighties, nineties, two thousands, and it's starting to change now. You know, physical pain, you go to doctors. Mm. Yeah, and and some and most times you can see the pain and it's tangible. Yeah. Yeah. The thing about intangible pain mental, spiritual, emotional pain is we don't see it. Yeah. yeah. And it hurts just as much, if not more. And if we develop a different relationship with that pain, that go, it's just letting you know that something's hurting, we need to heal. Yeah. Yeah, that's all there is to it. And, and the thing is this, just as with physical pain, if you sprain your ankle and you look after it and you nurture it, then the pain is much and the pain is for this long. But if we don't do anything about it, the pain becomes this much and this much and this much and this much, and it takes this long to heal. Yeah, it just yeah. gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah, it just gets worse and worse. Mm. So, uh, you know, I, I, that's my mission, I think, in my business, uh, you know, Tracy Minal. If I can um, help someone see the writing on the wall before the need for catastrophic pain or tragedy, mm. Mm. then that's and i fulfilled my, my my passion and purpose yeah you know for people to see that you we don't have to get to that level of pain to make really beautiful powerful amazing things in life yeah absolutely that would be nice but i think most of us are, are like conditioned to feel that level of pain before we can do something about it right and that's why what you guys do is so amazing that is why what you guys do is so amazing. When we spread our, when we share the message mm. uh, and give people the choice to be inspired by the message if they choose to. Mm. You know, a lot of people don't even hear the message. Mm. Yeah, you know, but if they hear the message and they choose not to be inspired to change, that's cool. You know, I'm like, everyone uh, chooses, makes their own choices in life. But we need to step up and share the story and share the message. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so that's why thank you guys, you know, for creating another forum, another channel for us, for all of us to share our stories. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I, and that's where I think, I'm just going back to the pain thing. As, as a coach, we, we talk about where they're at and they're usually at a place of work, being a workaholic and losing connections with loved ones and their families uh, or feeling not good enough and not stepping up or these are the these to me these are all signs that there's healing needed mm. 
Um, it's just to hopefully they reach out for support before it gets to, you know, mm -hmm. the catastrophic. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, I talk about um, stress as a pain. Like when you're feeling stress, that's a pain. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, and Eckhart Tolle, he, he condenses this really well. When there's stress in life or there's discomfort in life, there's only three options. Yeah. Number one, we stay in it and continue for the pain to grow and become excruciating, which yeah. is basically distract or repress or try to suppress the pain. Mm -hmm. we, or push through it. Or push through it. Yeah, push or through push it. through it. Yeah. We, we, which is another form of, of this distracting really because what we're doing is 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 you know we think that pushing through it will the pain will go away but it comes back the second time around bigger brighter and stronger than before mm. yeah that's number one number two get out of it yeah and, and but a lot of people don't realize that they have a choice to get out of it because we've grown up with this education system that teaches us yes and no, right and wrong, black and white. So people think they have only two options. Mm. You, know, <laughs> you know, stay in it or get out of it and feel miserable. Mm. Yeah, but you can get out of it and still feel happy. There's a way to do that. There's a third option, fourth option, fifth option. So that's number two. You know, find a way to get out of it and, 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 and live a better life. Mm. And number three, stay in it but not be affected by it. Which is also an option, yeah. You know, uh, I know for instance, you know, um, uh, now my work was super toxic at one stage, but I managed to maneuver the situation with my boss, with a strong relation, my boss, boss to create a different team to work on a different project, and then we created a culture of belonging, a culture of connection, a culture of you know, of uh, of uh, of collaboration. You know, mm -hmm. and, and, and created really awesome results for a smaller group of people. Mm -hmm. and, and whatever shit that was happening out there, there was enough awareness and enough healthy boundaries that we wouldn't be affected by it. Yeah. Yeah, that's so right. there's always choices. And, and that's what I think, about, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, speaking to your friends or speaking to our mind can expand Oh, I didn't hear that last bit. It lost yeah. you, the sound. Our mind, our mind can grow to be able to see different and more creative solutions. Exactly. That's not just one or the other. There's, not just one or the other. there's yeah. multiple options. Yeah. Mm. And, and what's stopping us from, from exploring those options is really fear and, and, and fear from the past. Mm. Things that have happened that haven't succeeded. And then we stop ourselves from trying again. When that's how a baby learns to crawl and then to walk and then to run by falling. Yeah, by falling, hurting themselves. Yeah, by falling <laughs> and hurting themselves. And, and then what happens is, the, the, you know, uh, uh, the parents and other, you know, caring people around clap their hands and celebrate the baby falling. Mm. You know, and celebrate it and go, yeah, try again, try again. Yeah, but somewhere along the line, we forgot that that's forgot how babies that. grow. Mm. Yeah, I know. Um, when people fail, the you know, we get people commiserating, oh, who are you? And I, I, you don't want pity at that point. I think, I mean, the best people in my life were like, 
well, what are you going to do about it? Do it again. Try it again. Do something different. Mm. They're the people I like keep close mm. because that's what it's about. It's about getting up and trying again. And what did you learn? What can you do differently? Yeah, and and and, and the people who care for us are around there for us to, to you know, empty out as well and go, you know, and, and not be judged. Mm. You know, not be judged for our failures and 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 actually celebrate it because you know friends that go. Do you know what? I'm gonna buy you lunch, and you're gonna tell me all about it. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, that's look for me. Connection and uh, and conversation is awesome. I mean, look, you can't stop me talking, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> it's great. But that's that's brilliant. That's mm. that's that's what I need. I don't need someone to judge me. I don't need to someone to fix it. I don't need someone to tell me what the next solution is. No. Yeah. Just I someone just, to listen. Listen. I mean, really, I mean, we look back to my my mom. That's what she needed, really, right? She just needed someone to listen. Mm. Absolutely, that's true. Cool. I'll shut up now. Oh, I know. I want to get this question because of like time. Yeah. So, because you know, the whole one of the purposes of this podcast is to talk about bias and discrimination and how you can handle approach that. And I, and actually, and what I haven't actually articulated before is in a way that is respectful in a way that is the th the third or the fourth or the fifth option no okay because mm -hmm. you can respond like if you if you experience hate or so ignorance you can respond with anger you can respond in those ways and occasionally there may be appropriate times if you're in danger or whatever to respond in that way Often though, there is other ways that take advantage of the situation in the sense that they are almost without judgment, but with helping understanding and compassion and make something better out of the situation rather than something worse. Mm -hmm. So really, I've never said, articulated that before, but that's really what I would like mm -hmm. to achieve here. So yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that's, that's all. Yeah, sorry, you go. So the question, hmm. Um, for you is have you ever experienced any forms of that and, and how did you handle it? So I think I, I, I sort of give a, a, an example when I was in Toowoomba where you know you walk in and there's ignorance basically so I think that the first thing I do is you know I don't um, I, I think the first thing for us really is not to judge that is racism until it's confirmed mm. because everyone has biases you know, the fact that we think someone has a bias is our bias. It could be our bias as well. Yeah. Okay, so I think we've got to start with that. Of course, if someone, you know, like full on coming to attack with a bat and all that, that's different. Yeah. Then yeah. we get into survival mode, fight or flight. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the right response, I believe. Mm -hmm. Right. I believe it's the right response. Yeah. But walking to a shop and someone gives us a glare and all that, I, I think we, we have to just check our biases before we assume it's racism. Right, and just have a conversation first because who knows? They could be a shy person, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, or they could have had a bad day. And I've had that too, where I walk into uh, a Coles, you know, a checkout, checkout. I was going to say checkout chick, but please know that I'm saying that with love, yeah, <laughs> or checkout, whatever, right? Yeah, walk, and they're like freaking just not talking to me and putting stuff in the bag. And I could go into racism mode immediately, mm. I could go bad day, hey. Mm. And and I have a few times, and they bend their face, light up, 
and they go, you know, it's true, blah, 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 and they're emptying out, you know, so, you know, and we all have bad days, and if only someone would just ask us, listen, or connect with us, that might make it easy. So yeah. I think that's, for me, that's really, yeah. Now, of course, after that, if they still look at me or, you know, whatever it is, then I will set a boundary. I'll say, you know what? You cannot talk to me like that. Mm. That's all I do. You can't talk to me like that. If you want to have a conversation to work this out like two adults, that's cool, right? But you can't talk to me like that. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Because I believe... This is from coaching as well. You know, Tracy, we talk about working with forces and setting boundaries with forces. You know, yeah. have you heard this? I, I talked yeah, about it yeah. on another podcast. Go ahead. When a horse comes to you, yeah, the horse comes to you. If you want a horse to go away, then we flick. Yeah, yeah. we flick as if we are flicking flies. Um, yeah, and, and if they get the message, that's cool. So it's like flicking flies, right? When you say, you can't talk to me like that. Yeah? Um, if... If, we, if, if they don't go away, then you've got to push against the fur and then push against the skin, then push against the flesh and push against the bone. There is a spectrum of boundary setting. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, so that's what I believe. I think you start off with, you know, assuming that it's not. And then if it is the case, look, you can't talk to me that. What's the real problem? Mm. Yeah. What's the real problem? And, you know, I don't assume, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I won't say things. And this is the thing. Sometimes we, we say things that we shouldn't, I feel. What is it? My language? Is it my accent? Is it how I look? Mm. Yeah? yeah, yeah. It might be. Is it, it because might... I'm black? Yeah. Am I black? Is it because I have a curly hair? Yeah. Is it because I have a yellow skin? Whatever it is, right? I think that is the stage where we're actually going to a territory where we are giving our power away. Mm. Where we are giving our power away. We're willing to get them, right, to justify their behavior. Yeah, they need to justify. We're not guessing on their behalf. Us trying to guess their behavior or trying to trap them because that actually backfires. Mm. Yeah, that actually backfires. Yeah, yeah. And if they say, you know, they think say things like, you know, in a, you know, like for for example, even at uh, when I was a lecturer, you know, there was a student who said something like, you know, oh, it's just your accent. I can't understand you. Great. So what can I do to help you understand? Right? Is it the in a, whatever you need is in the material? And if you need one on one time, you know, like, you know, I, I think we've got to solve the real problem. And if it's a, even if it comes from a racist mindset, mm. that conversation actually causes them, causes a cognitive dissonance in their mind about how an Asian person is. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, like, you know, if I if I attack them, they'll just attack back. Mm, exactly. And then you go, oh, maybe Asians, maybe Blacks, maybe Yellows or whoever you are, are actually more intelligent than I think they are. Mm. Yeah, so I think, you know, cognitive dissonance, the cure for cognitive dissonance is cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Get them, get them to really think about what they're saying you know, or how they're behaving. And if it's really a racist thing, then they have to bring it up, I think. I feel yeah. anyway. I feel right. like, of course, there are situations where, you know, there are, you know, uh, workplace situations where, you know, it's termed as bully and I think we need to step up. Yeah, but at the same time, again, we're, we're focusing on the behavior mm. and the reason behind the behavior is up to the mediators to figure out, not me. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, because if I focus on that, yeah, I will actually back, it, the, the situation might actually backfire. And number two, it's not good for my stress. No. And have you have you experienced that though? Have you experienced a specific situation where it has backfired? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Where I go, I mean, that, that's that's why I say it now. You know? <laughs> yeah. Why is it because I'm an international student? Right. And then and then it creates. Yeah, I think it creates more drama than than it than it should. Now, of course, if if you think that's the case, speak to a coach. <laughs> <laughs> speak to a friend speak and, and, and empty out the emotional charge mm. so that you can actually deal with the situation in a more I will say rational objective way yeah and and we talked about that before yeah. because I've had situations where I felt well I've had situations where I haven't said anything and the reason I haven't said anything because I felt so many emotions that I didn't want to make the situation worse because I was experiencing all these emotions. Mm -hmm. And it's only after I've been able to have a conversation, empty out, that I felt, right, how would I handle that situation mm -hmm. again? That I feel like I could have addressed it, but obviously it's too late sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, there's, the, there's a posting which we learn which we learn. But again, it's, it's not really too late, Tracy, because if that person really has that sort of behavior towards a person, they will do it again. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, if it's a one-off, of course, it's too late because you never meet them again. And if you never meet them again, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, this is I mean, seriously, if you never meet them again, it doesn't matter. Yeah? yeah. In a situation where, you know, you'll see them again, if that pattern is a pattern, they will do it again. Yeah. Yeah, they will. Yeah, and I and I also see your point, which is the beautiful, and, and I'm trying to learn that too, and not just with racism, but with any sort of uh, comments that are not very nice conversation. Yeah. Where sometimes I'm just not quick enough, with all love, yeah, just not quick enough to have a comeback that is resourceful. Yes, a resourceful comeback. <laughs> That's what we need, resourceful comebacks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I also, sometimes questions really help. You know, as coaches, we talk about questions. Mm. So if they do something like that, I just go, you know, what's the real problem here? Mm. And I shut up. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I was just, I was so interesting. I just have to share the story. So I was out yesterday, like on my a Christmas party, I have several mini Christmas parties with different groups of friends. And we were in the city and we came across this group of people doing a 12 pubs of Christmas. There was like 20 of them and they were all dressed up and we were chatting to them and making conversations with different people in the group. And it's fun. And we love connecting with strangers when we're out. And I was listening to this conversation my girlfriend was having with one of the, the members of this group. And it was, it, we've talked about this, Nino. Where are you from? Yeah, yeah. I'm from I'm Australian. No, 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 no. Where are you really from? I, 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 Honestly, I'm straight. No, where are you from? Is it China, Hong Kong? Like, where are you from? Honestly, and she's like, honestly, and this is this conversation, and like they had a great conversation. There was no animosity, and but I was just, I just sat there going, yeah. You see, I've, I've had that, I've had that as well, you know, and and different people. I look, I, I think I just want to share that, you know, whatever my opinions are just are from my, like totally my perspective and I just try things out. I've had that too. And, um, and I just go, right. So are you asking me about my heritage, my legacy? 
asking me about my citizenship. <laughs> well, this is what this is how I answer it now. Yeah, and as, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm taking the question like again. I'm assuming that the question comes from a place of curiosity. Mm. Right? Obviously, it, it's got racist sentiments to it. Yes. Right? It's got racial sentiments to it. So by asking that question, and hopefully I'm making them think that if you're going to ask that question, ask the right question. Exactly. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and then someone tells you where they are from. Then you know, like, don't freaking correct someone's answers when it's the right answer and it's the truth. Yeah. But yeah. if you're interested in where someone, where, where someone's heritage is, like, for example, you know, I'd ask you, hey, Tracy, you know, what about your, you know, and, and I'm happy to do that. And, and I say, I, you know, I will say, I hope it's okay that I ask you, you know, you know, your skin, dark skin, like, what's your heritage? You know, yeah. parents, your great grandparents, yeah, where do they come from? Exactly. It's a perfectly reasonable, acceptable, and, and a question I'm happy to receive and talk about. Um, it's just the kind of almost like a um, like an argument, like you're wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. of course, you know, we can always go. You know, um, you know, and I've done that too. Why, why, where do you come from? I did that. Telling me no, I've done that. Where did you come from? No, 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 no. Australia was it's only been here for a couple of hundred years. Where do you come from? Yeah, yeah. I have done that, but I, like I said, it depends what mood you catch me in. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've had a situation again, you know, minor, but still useful. I think where you know there was a, a, a Vietnamese uh, lecturer in the common room talking to, obviously her parents in Vietnam, and then another you know white Aussie lecturer came up to me and said, you know, I wish you wouldn't do that. You know, we can't listen, we can't understand what she's saying, and so disruptive. <laughs> and I'm like. What language do you speak to when you speak to your parents? Yes. <laughs> exactly. That's so strange. Yeah. I so, so you're telling me when you are in France, you're going to speak to your parents in French? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, I have that too. So for me, it's all about cognitive dissonance versus cognitive dissonance. Yeah. yeah. They're understanding what they're really asking. Yeah. Um, and there was the other, I had two, I had two really good ones last night. So the other one was, there was, I love the in the group of people, there was a, a woman who was African-American. Yeah. She was the only one there, but she lived in Australia for 20 years and she'd become friends in this community and she was out celebrating and we got chatting. And she's from New York and she has kids here. She married an Aussie and all this kind of thing. And we're chatting and one of her friends comes over and looks at us and goes, oh my God, you could be sisters. And we we looked at each other and there was this non-verbal communication <laughs> between the two of us. And I and this is what I was saying. Um, love you, love. Well, we don't look anything like each other. And I know she was thinking the same. <laughs> oh, it was so funny. And then when they'd left, what did you do? Well, we were, she was like, I've the only two black people in the room and we look like each other. And we kind of had a joke about it. Um, but it's just one of the, another example of one of those things. I, 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 you know, like, as an observer, right, I would have loved if you actually said that in that situation. Like, so the guy, we didn't, we didn't say it to him, he'd gone. But we said it in the group. We were just like. <laughs> because I, 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 I've done that, I said. 
Yeah, because all Asians look the same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Should have said that. Well, we're too busy doing this with our eyes going on. I've heard this. I've heard. Oh, you know, you look like Sai. You know the the Korean um, uh, singer. Yes. yes. Mino will know him. I don't know who it is. Mino will know. She's yes. a very yes. Asian singer. Yeah. Okay, so I'm like, yeah, that's right. Because all Asians look the same. <laughs> No, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I think also we have to. This is again my opinion, right? You gotta pick up battles like these ones. A few little like trinkets here and there. It's just gonna change people's thinking. Yeah. Uh, but I've also had situations like I was helpless to do anything. Yeah, where you know, uh, in Mumba, um, driving home late at night and at the lights, and another car was next to me. And I just casually looked across, and I got the finger. Mm. Now, I don't know if it was racially incited. I feel it was. Mm. But what can I do? You know, lights turn green, and then he goes off. Mm. And at that time, I hadn't worked on myself with all the coaching and stuff. And I, I held on to that trauma for months. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And that's yeah. the thing as well. How long you hold on to it? Because I will be honest, before I've done all this work, those things would sit with me for a long time. Even the minor, minor, minor things, mm -hmm. these, so they're more trivial. There's still yeah. potentially an element of you know racism in there. Absolutely. Absolutely. But they just don't have the impact that they used to have, which is great. Yeah, and I, I think our, our uh, responsitivity to these events become faster, the less charge we have. The less charge, exactly. exactly. The less charge, yeah. Because, you know, we can use some crazy, uh, you know, resourceful humour and just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, look at the two coaches vibing. I love it. <laughs> I love the group too. What do you do, Mina? What's your... Oh, I work in clinical trials, I work okay. in research. so um, yes, experiencing a lot of stress at the moment. So I'm looking forward to my Christmas break. Yeah, yeah. That downtime. I am too. Oh, I didn't tell you guys, you guys are the last event this year for me uh, with work. Yay. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm like holiday mode. Yes. Oh, but I'm glad, I'm glad. And, you know, it's been really wonderful and it's always wonderful to talk to you. Yeah. I love your stories um, and how you succinctly, metaphorically, um, pill illustrate a point. I love it. And that's it's been such a pleasure having you to talk to. And um, I hope, yeah, uh, you know, you can't stop me. No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, great to meet you, Andrew, because I've heard a lot of things. So it's awesome to meet you, finally. Lovely to meet you, Minal. And I hope we get a chance to meet if I'm ever down in Sydney. And if you're ever up in Brisbane, hit me up for a coffee. I will do. Yeah. I haven't been to Brisbane in a long time, but we might have to come to experience summer again. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Not happening in Sydney. Beautiful, beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, thank you, Andrew. Pleasure. I really appreciate it. Lots of love. Yeah, and I hope this was uh, in line with what the podcast is about. And uh, and uh, hope hopefully it served your purpose in some way. It did. It's beautiful. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you. Thank Lots you so much. Love.
What's up, love? You too. Ciao, ciao. Bye. 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 That was awesome. It really was. He's a great person to chat to, honestly. Reminds me a lot, funnily enough, of myself and my brothers. I don't Does know. He? Yeah, because we're all that talkative type. Yeah. Know, especially when we start telling our stories. So. Yeah. 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 Well, I really, I just, so like I've known Andrew now for three years, four years. Mm. And mm. I didn't know any of this about his life. I had no idea he started his life in Toowoomba. Yes, in exactly. Australia. That's so random to think that, I, even thinking about, you know, because when we came to Sydney, that was enough of a shock. But imagine coming from like Malaysia, you know, immigrants and landing in Toowoomba of all places and just, I don't know. I don't know if I, you know, and he has such a positive vibe from it all. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yes, he. He, he has, I mean, it would have been a culture show, right? Oh, yeah. Like, it would have been so dramatic, I think, you know, to end up in a country town. And and to have that, he's probably right, the university environment probably was a lot more inclusive. But I can imagine outside of the university, it wasn't so easy, you know. Mm. So, yeah, to be able to, to deal with that when you're so young as well and try and figure out a place for yourself in this random little town. I know. I like how he handled what might be, could be perceived as like racial profiling. Mm. You know, when you walk into a shop or a store and people looking at you with, what did he say? It was um, not apprehension, a bit of apprehension. Yeah. Insecurity, that was yeah. it. Mm. Insecurity. Mm. Now, that, if you jump into conclusion, you say this person's racist mm. or this person's um racially profiling me i'd say i like how he handled it you just have to it's almost like you have to be curious you can't assume yeah that that's what that behavior is and i really that's a really good reminder for me if he if you you got to test that theory hi how are you go over the chat what's how you know how long has the story been here? whatever make conversation and you know see is, is that really the case i think that's a really really good approach so that yes, he figured it out so soon because even for me, I feel like if I was in that situation even now, I'd probably be put off and just walk out, you know, as opposed to being like curious and being like, okay, let's figure out what this is about. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, what makes you walk out is fear, right? Mm, exactly. So yeah. it's probably the same feeling she's having and I'm mirroring and then walking out. So. Yeah. So this is good. This is good. This is good. And I'm just thinking of a girlfriend, um, well, a, a friend of a friend. She was in the book club for a little bit. Mm. Uh, she's she's Brit. She's um, Brit British with African background. Mm. And she moved to Melbourne. And she shared experiences where she was, where she feels she was um, racially profiled. Like walking into a store, being constantly followed around the store, like, like she was going to steal something. That was her perception of what was going yeah. on, yeah. which may or may not be true. But how to to be able to turn that around yeah. um, by going up to the person straight away? I mean, he's right. You shouldn't have to do that. Yeah. But you have a choice because there's, there's nothing positive out of the situation where you feel that because it's stressful. Mm. Um, and you go away, walk away believing that and maybe not wanting to go back in the store. 
whatever, that's that's less that's a less desirable outcome than going and talking to the person to see if that's really what's going on. Mm. And you don't have to be so direct and in the face. Are you racially profiling me? Because like you said, you're just inviting trouble. You're giving your power away. It's really about hi. You know, are they friendly towards you? You know, you're speaking to them. They can understand you. Blah blah blah. It might not be that. It might be they've never seen the. That's the first black person I've seen in real life. It could be. <laughs> in some places, to be fair. Oh, well, yeah, you know, I don't know. But I really like that suggestion. I just think, depending on, I'm specifically thinking about black people here, especially in America, because of the violence that they still experience and the hatred that they still experience, mm. there's a lot of, there's a lot of wounding. Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of wounding to heal in order to be able to be at a place where the charge isn't so much that you can respond resourcefully mm. in a scenario that may or may not be racial mm. without jumping to the conclusion that it is a racial behavior or a racial response or racist response. So to get to that place, there's a lot of healing to do. Uh, when it's when you're still being damaged yeah. and talking generally in society when you're still being damaged that's not so easy to do so that's why it's everybody's responsibility if we want to eliminate racism it's it's more it's it's more than just being a good person it's more than just treating it is about treating everybody with respect but it's also about holding people accountable for the behavior when you see it or when you hear it Absolutely. right yes so what else did you take from his chat um, i don't know i'm 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 always in awe of people who move so far away from their family and set up like a whole different community for themselves like mm -hmm. all of yourself and all of our friends have done because yeah i think that's a very difficult thing to do but to have to struggle with your identity and your sexuality at the same time i think that's a whole yeah it's it's yeah it's amazing that he's built so much positivity around him mm -hmm. i mean he did he wasn't always positive though you know he's yeah absolutely because you can't escape from your you can't escape your pain mm. you can't escape the bad without healing it and obviously it had to get to a point for him where he had this behavior that caused him to basically nearly kill himself. Like you said, the pain before you finally decide that something has to change. Mm -hmm. But everybody's level is different as well. Like mine was, mine was what I call my mini breakdown at work. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to, I didn't nearly kill myself, but I felt like I was dying. I know it sounds, it sounds, um, extreme or it might sound you know extravagant but it did that's how it felt and that's why i what i would call a breakdown i don't know if this meets the clinical definition um but for me that's what it felt like so to get that was my um wake-up call it's like what's everybody else's wake-up call and i think you already get signs before it gets to that stage you already get little clues you only get little nudges from the body telling you that something needs to change. And it gets worse and worse and worse until you listen. Mm -hmm. 
anyway, but yes, absolutely. He turned it around uh, and he's been a wonderful, wonderful mentor for me and my business and, and my coaching. Yes. All right. So we will see you for one final episode with none other than one final episode with us, with our guest co-host, with our co-host, lovely Nino. She will not be with us. No more. No, no. But we won't say goodbye yet. In the no. next one. Okay. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you have as much fun with us today as we did. If what you heard resonated with you, don't forget to show the love and like our YouTube channel, All One with Tracy G. Give us a five-star rating on whichever podcast platform is lucky enough to have this episode because they rock too. Feel free to email us stories or questions at alloneinclusive at gmail.com and sign up for my newsletter if updating yourself about everything which goes down sounds like something right up your alley at tracygandu.com. Until the next time, see ya.